Welcome to this presentation of First Baptist Church Loeb. We're glad to have you joining us today. Our mission at FBC Loeb is to bring glory to God by being disciple makers. For that purpose, we present the following resource that it may be a blessing. All right, you can grab a Bible, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, in case you use one of our pew Bibles, we'll be on page 987 this morning. As you find your place, we left off last week on a note of suspense. Uh, we saw that after uh, having to leave Thessalonica before they were ready, and then not being able to get back again, Paul and his team uh, were worried about the church there. And were the new believers hanging on in the face of opposition? Or had they given up and walked away from the faith uh, under pressure? They didn't know. And eventually, the agony of not knowing led Paul to send Timothy back to Thessalonica so he could check on the church and then bring him a report back. And he revealed in verse 5 of chapter 3 that deep down he was concerned that, that somehow Satan had tempted this church to abandon the faith and that all of his work among them would have been in vain. So this morning we're going to see what Timothy found when he got back to Thessalonica, as, as Paul shares his prayer for them and for us by extension. So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to pick up uh, beginning in verse 6. Paul writes, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly, and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And so as we pick up again here in verse 6, we see that when Timothy finally met back up with Paul in the city of Corinth, he brought a good report about the Thessalonians. Despite the obstacles that they were facing, this young church was standing strong in faith and in love. Not only that, but Timothy shares that the Thessalonians always remember Paul and his team kindly, which is to say that, that they had not become embittered against them in their absence, that they, they miss Paul and, and long to see him as much as he longs for them and, and wishes to see them. As we read the paragraph, it's impossible not to feel Paul's joy coming through these words. In fact, Paul's language suggests that Timothy had literally just returned. And so we get the idea that, that Timothy had barely finished giving his report when Paul sat down to write this letter. Right, this is the best news that he could have hoped for at this particular point in time. And he is so excited that he immediately begins writing to the church. And so if we wanted to summarize the effect that Timothy's report had on Paul in one word, it would be relief. Right, Paul is relieved. A huge weight has been lifted off of him as all of the uncertainty and anxiety that he's had about this new church has been resolved. 
In verse 7, he says, For this reason, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. You know, there are, there are things in life that are hard to do. And if we don't see the results that we would like to see as we try to do them, that makes them even harder to do from a motivation standpoint. And so perhaps uh, you want to be healthier, and so you've started trying to eat better and exercise a little more, but you've been doing it for a while now, and you're still not seeing the results that you'd like either in the mirror or on the scale. Well, that's discouraging. And you may ask yourself why you're going to all this effort if it's not actually accomplishing anything. I know for for my family, Rebecca and I, sometimes we feel like this with homeschooling. There are days that we're trying to get the kids to do their work, and we are are really beginning to run out of hair to pull out. And we look at each other and we say, I don't know if we can keep doing this anymore. And so it's frustrating sometimes. And, And for Paul, he was consistently rejected. He was attacked. He was betrayed at times by those who were close to him. He lived his life on the run, and there were times when he wondered why he was doing this. But in his goodness, the Lord knows how to encourage us when we need it the most. And so in your desire to get healthier, perhaps you wake up one morning, and as you put on your pants, you realize, hey, these feel a little bit looser than they used to. Or or for our family, Jacob comes in the the living room one day this last week, and he's so excited to tell us about this book that he's reading all by himself, without us even having to threaten him or or anything like that. In these moments, you you realize that all the effort that you're putting in really does make a difference, and it motivates you to keep pushing forward. And in the same way, Paul had been run out of Thessalonica, and then he got run out of Berea, and then he was largely mocked in the city of Athens. And we know from Acts chapter 18 that at this point in time, during his ministry in Corinth, he was continuing to experience opposition to such a degree that he was really beginning to struggle. But when Timothy showed up with a good report about the Thessalonians, that they're hanging in there despite all of the challenges that they're facing, He was comforted, he was encouraged, and he was motivated to keep pushing forward. In fact, in verse 8, Paul describes the effect of Timothy's report in this way. He says, For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. In other words, the, the good news about the Thessalonians has given Paul and his team new life in the midst of their difficulties. It was like a second wind to him to hear about the Thessalonians. In verse 9, Paul says that there is no way he could ever thank God enough for the joy he has because of the Thessalonians. And once again, he reminds them of the fact that he prays for them consistently. Specifically, he prays that they will eventually see each other face to face again, so that he will be able to supply what is lacking in their faith. In other words, Paul wants to be with the Thessalonians in person and have the opportunity to continue discipling them. And and this is, in fact, the the first hint that as excited as he is to hear this good news about the Thessalonians, there are nevertheless still some issues in the church that need to be addressed. And he'll turn to that shortly. But first, beginning in verse 11, Paul is going to share more details 
about how he prays for the Thessalonians. And so we'll pick up again, beginning in verse 11. He writes, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And so Paul has assured the Thessalonians a number of times now that he prays for them consistently. And while they couldn't hear his prayers, they could read them. And so here in this second section, Paul shares at least part of what he prays for them. First of all, he asks that the Lord will direct his way to the Thessalonians. And so as we saw last week, Paul desperately wants to get back to Thessalonica, but for various reasons so far, he's been unable to. And so the first thing that he prays is that God will eventually open the door for him to get back so that he can continue working with this church in person. And then secondly, in verse 12, Paul prays that the Lord will cause the Thessalonians to increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And so as he so often does, Paul reminds us of the fact that the lives of individual Christians and the atmosphere of churches is one that should be characterized by a commitment to the well-being of other people that is willing to sacrifice for their benefit if necessary. And whether it involves time or money uh, or opportunities of service or decision-making, when it comes to the other members of our church, our approach should be one that asks, what do you need and how can I help provide that for you? I say love by its very nature is others-focused. And so when we are loving another person, our main concern is not about getting what we want, how we want it, when we want it, but on making sure that they get what they need, how they need it, when they need it, right? And so real quick, I want to point out two things that we need to see Paul saying about love. First of all, we see that love is supposed to consistently grow over time, right? Paul says that that he prays that the Thessalonians will increase and abound in love. Right, so our, our love should continue to grow over time. Hopefully, we love each other better today than we did five years ago. And by God's grace, we will love each other even better five years from now than we do today. Right, we should constantly look to grow in our love. Secondly, Paul says that we should grow in our love for one another and for all. And so as we've seen many times, the New Testament consistently emphasizes the fact that Christians are called to love one another. As I always try to point out, the fact that Christians are called specifically to love one another doesn't mean that we shouldn't love people who aren't believers. It just means that we have a particular responsibility to love those who are. But here in verse 12, Paul clearly indicates that we should love one another and everybody else as well, right? And so we should be loving towards those who don't share our faith in Jesus. We should be loving even towards those who we consider to be our enemies. And church, this is where our understanding of what love is makes all the difference in the world 
Because what we understand love to be is going to either make or break our ability to walk this out in our lives. All right, so if we see love primarily as an emotion that we feel towards somebody, then we have absolutely no chance. This is never going to happen. So think about someone that you don't like. Or, or even better, think about one of the Thessalonians receiving this letter, thinking about someone who's actively trying to persecute them. We, ha- we have to understand that Paul is not calling them to say, man, I love you. When, when you hit me with rocks and you try to kill my family because we follow Jesus, it just, it just bubbles up inside and I, I can hardly contain it. I just, I love you so much. No, of course not. There would be some serious mental and emotional issues going on if that were the case. But when we recognize that love is primarily a commitment that leads us to act in certain ways, then we realize that even when other people mistreat us, we are still called to act in ways that are in their best interest. And so we, we see in the New Testament that we are called to pray for our enemies, to forgive them, even to look for opportunities to be helpful to them. And of course, this is hard, right? But the love that we have received from Jesus, when we were completely undeserving of it because of our sin, it can empower us to be loving to others, however we may feel about them. And so we have to have a a firm understanding of what love is. And I think that beyond reaffirming his love for the Thessalonians, this is really what Paul is getting at when he draws attention to his love for them at the end of verse 12. He says, as we do for you. Right? What else but a sincere love for other people, a commitment to their well-being, could compel Paul to continuously endure the things that he had to endure in his ministry. He's not making a lot of money in this. He's certainly not winning any popularity contests. No, Paul loved the Lord, and he loved other people to the point that he was willing to suffer if that's what it took to share the gospel and make disciples of Jesus everywhere he went. Now, in verse 13, Paul gives us the purpose of God causing the Thessalonians to increase and abound in love. He prays prays that the Lord will do this so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And so holiness is the state of being set apart for God. When something is described as being holy, that means that it belongs to God and it is reserved for, for use for his purposes. Right? And so as his people, Christians are called to be holy. We are called to live our lives in a way that reflects the fact that we belong to God by obeying his commandments. Right? And Paul's desire is that when Jesus returns, we will be found blameless in our holiness, meaning that we will be judged to have been faithful in fulfilling our moral responsibilities as God's chosen people. And now, that, what that means is that there's a direct connection between our love, on the one hand, and our personal sanctification, our, that lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus in our character, 
on the other hand, there is a direct connection between our love and our personal sanctification. In other words, love is the key to living our lives faithfully in this life. So that as our love increases, we naturally grow in our personal holiness. Now, having said all this, it's also important that we see that ultimately, this is something that God must do in our hearts. Right? Paul prays for this. He asks God for this. And in his prayer, he doesn't just ask that this will happen. He asks God to make the Thessalonians increase in love. So we see that God has to do something. That is the, the, the same reason, if you think about it, for why Paul thanks God for the Thessalonians in the first place. Right? As, as Paul shares about his joy over them, Paul doesn't thank them. He doesn't say, guys, thanks so much for how you responded to the gospel and, and for sticking with it, even though things are difficult. No, Paul thanks God for them. He gives the credit to God. And that's because he knows that God is ultimately the author and the sustainer of the Thessalonians' faith. And so here he prays for God to continue working in their hearts by increasing their love so that they will live appropriately as his chosen people. And this draws the first half of this letter to a close. And so we've seen that, that Paul has repeatedly emphasized his love and commitment to the Thessalonians. He has celebrated their response to the gospel in the midst of persecution. And this sets the stage for him to correct some of the aspects of the life of the church that Timothy has reported to him are, are a little bit off. And that's what he's going to do as we move into the second half of the letter, beginning next week. But in our passage this morning, Paul lets the Thessalonians know that Timothy has arrived back safely and that he's brought a good report about them with him. And he shares his prayer for their continued growth in love and holiness. As we've said before, when it comes to Paul's prayers in the New Testament, if Paul prayed this for the Thessalonians, then he would pray this for us as well, which means this is something that we should pray for ourselves. We should desire to be growing in our love for one another, and for all people, for that matter, so that we can fulfill our calling to be holy as God's people. Of course, this isn't new to us. Right? We've, we've seen the New Testament emphasize the importance of love in the lives of believers over and over again as we've gone through various areas of the New Testament. And sometimes it may even seem like Scripture is a broken record on this note, right? Another sermon about love. Right? But when the Bible says something repeatedly, there is usually two reasons for it. The first reason is that it's really important for us to know, right? So in, in any arena, important information is usually repeated, so make sure that everyone gets the memo. But then the second reason the Bible says something over and over again is because whatever it is usually doesn't come naturally to us. And so we need to be reminded consistently, to be intentional about it. All right? And so in that respect, it's a good thing. We need to be reminded of what God expects from us as his people. On the other hand, perhaps you aren't tired of hearing about it as much as you are uh, perhaps overwhelmed by the concept. Right? The, the idea of, of being loving to all people is just kind of 
abstract and it's big and you don't even know where to, to begin moving in the right direction. And so as we close, let me just give you a couple of, of potential ideas. Uh, for one, one very practical way of, of loving other people today would simply be to take one of the baby bottles that we have in the, in the Welcome Center uh, as we seek to support the, the ministry of the Hope Clinic. They're, they have a, a unique and needed ministry among people of our, in our community. And so it would be very loving to support them financially. But beyond that, I want to challenge you to take time to pray and to plan to, to make one concrete expression of love toward another member of our church this week. Right, now, I'm not talking about your best friend, because that's too easy. Take some time to think about maybe one of our members that you don't know particularly well. Or maybe even one of our members that you don't particularly like for one reason or another. Maybe commit to praying for them every day this week. Or write them an encouraging note. Or look for a practical way that you can serve them. Find a need that you can help meet in their life. If you're feeling really ambitious, make it two people. I, I truly believe that if every one of us just started there and, and built up and worked our way out from there, we would be amazed at how quickly we grew in love. And I think we would be surprised at the impact that it had on our church and on our community as well. And so just think about that. What is one concrete expression of love that you can show to another member of our church this week? And build up from there. So this morning, let's ask the Lord to make us increase and abound in love. And let's look for opportunities to grow in our holiness as God's people. Let's pray together.